I really didn't like that Jeffrey Dahmer guy, but at least he wasn't Hitler. Like... <laughs> You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. As we welcome you to this 511th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, we thank you for doing that, obviously, but we're going to combine a regular Freeform Friday episode with just a couple of news and notes that we didn't get to in earlier episodes. And um, I appreciate the boss realizing that uh, my voice isn't as young as it used to be. So we'll combine a Freeform Friday episode with a couple of stories that we didn't get to, and we'll just make it one bigger episode, and we'll call it a week here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here, uh, again, as I like to say, during this COVID-19 pandemic that I hope everything is as well as it can be wherever you're listening to this episode today as we are now some provinces and some states are into phase one going into phase two of their uh, reacclimate ourselves to life uh, with COVID-19 and uh, depending on where you are I know here in Alberta uh, we are supposed to be i know that they have shut it down till the end of may which is coming up this week Uh, they have said that the border the canadian porter into the u.s will not open now until any later than the end of june i'm still trying to get down to las vegas this summer and have a celebration of life for my father we're ticketing that hopefully knock on wood that we can do it in the early stages of august but again everything up in the air right now because of COVID-19. And again, I just wish that all of you are as safe and as healthy and staying safe as you possibly can during this uh, pandemic uh, as we continue on and continue to soldier on and figure out I, you know, what life is going to be like. Are we ever going to get back to a life of normalcy again? Well, I don't know. I think that There's going to be social distancing here for the immediate future. I think that you're going to have to wait in line to get into grocery stores and and stuff like that. But again, uh, we're learning on the fly. And uh, I guess the best thing that we can show right now is some patience and allow some people that we place our trust in to make the correct and informed decisions at the proper time. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I don't hold up much hope, but uh, well, we'll see. there's videos uh, from Lake of the Ozarks, which is in Missouri, and it's like spring break. I mean, it's just everyone's just packed in there like crazy. Well, like... and you know what? I keep reading, and I know you keep reading too, because you keep your nose to the grindstone on this kind of kind of stuff. I think somewhere down the line, we're going to have a second wave of this stuff. Yes. Now, with stuff like that, it's ridiculous. In terms of, if, I'm going to just going to ignore those people because they don't care. And uh, well, they're idiots. They're idiots. It's but the Ozarks, yeah. i.e., <laughs> idiots. <laughs> well, up here though, let's say like Alberta, where they're you know we're now under a thousand active Correct. cases. We're up to Correct. about six thousand recovered. So it's re- it crossed over a couple weeks ago, and it's been just rapidly going in the right direction ever since, and it's looking really good. But. Let's say we do have a second wave. I'm actually not very concerned about that. As long as we're keeping doing responsible things up here, at least, even if there's a second wave, it, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't overwhelm the hospital system. The, right. And the problem was a first wave would that was got big enough would just be catastrophic. Whereas now, even if there is one, 
keep in mind that first of all, the most at risk people should not change anything and they should still be sequestered and in solitary confinement for lack of a better term. And the general public, if it does flare up again, I think that they'll be mostly fine. It's the least at risk people and a lot of people already have gotten it. And it seems like there's antibodies that your body gets and you probably can't officially get it second time for most people. So even if there is some sort of second wave, at least in places that are responsible, like Alberta or Saskatchewan, I'm not very worried about a second wave, but, but I, down I, there, who knows? I do concern myself, and I, I'm right with you on everything that you just said in regard to north of the 49th parallel. South of the 40, 49th parallel, where I'm trying to get to this summer, at least for a week or 10 days, I am concerned a little bit more about it down there because I don't think they're giving it enough respect in the United States like we are here. That's just my feeling. Yeah, it's amazing, though. I get... It's uh, a lot of people have just never been told no, apparently. And yeah. in addition to the whole American thing I've said of just absolute suspicion of government, it's kind of like baseball. The relationship that a lot of people that call themselves freedom fighters or have a fetish for guns or whatever, the absolute extreme dysfunction they have with any form of authority or the government or anything, it's kind of like baseball Agreed. right now. Yeah, yeah. You're right on. Yeah. You're absolutely right on couple of things that I'd like to get to before uh, Chris uh, gets us going on a little version of Freeform Friday um, revolve around the National Football League. A lot of talk this week about this proposal that's supposed to be going uh, in front of the owners of the National Football League here in the next couple of weeks. There's supposed to be a big round of meetings coming up for the National Football League owners where they are going to vote yay or nay on some rule changes and one that has seemingly become a big ticket item of discussion is this fourth and 15 proposal in the in the in the idea of trying to eliminate onside kicks now Andy Reid of course of course is the coach of the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs he is not sold on this fourth and 15 proposal to eliminate onside kicks but he also knows that he's in his back pocket. He's got an MVP quarterback by the name of Patrick Mahomes that gives the Chiefs an edge should they have to exercise this 4th and 15 proposal. Um, I'd like your thoughts on this and uh, see what you think. Again, Andy Reid is not sold on it, but he does know he's got Patrick Mahomes in his back pocket, so that might give the Chiefs an edge in regard to pulling off a 4th and 15. But what do you think about it? And uh do you like the elimination, the potential elimination of the onside kick? Well, it's hard to fight against the elimination of the onside kick because clearly Roger Goodell seems like he's going to be in power forever and he just wants to get rid of all kickoffs of any kind. It seems he's just trying to make every kick a touchback so that t kicks are no longer exciting. So that when they do phase them out, people won't resist as much. Right. right. So, I mean, he's clearly trying to get rid of that. So as far as this goes, I think it's somewhat interesting I think it's neat that you can get the ball back uh, in some form to your quarterback and at least try a, a tough play. I don't mind it, actually, to be honest with you. And I, I don't fault anybody if they don't like it. I can see how you wouldn't. But I think if we're being somewhat realistic here, I think it's a better alternative than whatever they're going to do about just getting rid of the kickoffs entirely or whatever the heck Dell's trying to do. So I don't actually mind it. And yeah, I know. it. Absolutely, the Chiefs have an advantage. The Chiefs, for the foreseeable future are going to be in the best situation. There's no one you'd rather have than Patrick Mahomes back there, and that includes Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, like, nobody... And even at this point, does it even include Aaron Rodgers, maybe? 
Well, certainly the fact that he has no receivers to throw too hardly. Um, doesn't oh, Devin Funches. No, oh, I can't stand Devin <laughs> Funches. Devontae, like they, I've seen still pictures where uh, from last year where every uh, receiver is open except Devontae Adams, and he throws to Devontae Adams. You know, like I mean, it's it's crazy. So let's just let's just say Patrick Mahomes would be my choice if I had to have someone take a fourth and fifteen. No question. Uh, also from the National Football League, I've had a problem with this all off season long. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, love them or loathe them, have had a really good offseason mm-hmm. up until this point. They even had the initiative, and I don't know who the hell punched Jerry in the head to make him think about this, but I think they've gotten a real steal by getting Eldon Smith out of suspension. He's going to add a dimension mm-hmm. to that football team mm-hmm. if Eldon Smith can get his shit together. And after what? five years of being suspended by the league, I think he might be itching to play. He was a really good football player before he got in all this trouble for the 49ers and the Raiders. And they're also going to get Randy Gregory back, Mm. their big pot-smoking moron from the University of of Nebraska that can't seem to put the blunt down. But he's supposedly going to be able to get reinstated or eligible for reinstatement, but he still has to have the big meeting with Jane Goodell's husband. But um, say what you want. I think that obviously the the uh, Dallas Cowboys have upgraded in the coaching position as well with Mike McCarthy over Jason Garrett. Regardless of well, what you think, <laughs> hey, <that's> like <laughs> I, I know. But at least McCarthy's been to an NFC Championship game and and he's won a Super Bowl. And I know that he fucked up the Packers in regard to the two fourteen championship game against the Seattle Seahawks, but. I don't think it's a big stretch to say that the Cowboys have improved at the head coaching position, considering that uh, Garrett had that position for nine years and had one winning season. He had a bunch of eight and eights and he, and he had one 12 and four, but then he gets into his first playoff game and loses to that miraculous pass by Aaron Rodgers to the tight end, uh, Jared cook a couple of years ago. But I am really not happy with this because for the simple fact, and I, and again, He's a young gun. He's probably going to be the quarterback in Big D for many, many years to come. But what has Dak Prescott accomplished that should award him a contract that would make him the second highest paid quarterback in the National Football League behind Russell Wilson's average of $35 million a season? And that's supposedly, according to the Dallas Morning News, that the Cowboys have offered to make Dak Prescott the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL, again, behind Seattle's Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson's at the average of $35 million a season. What has Dak Prescott done to be in that kind of stratosphere among NFL paid quarterbacks? Well, not much. And now that they have Dalton, uh, it's I think, I think that's really good leverage, no matter what Des Bryant says. Right. I think that's a really good decision. And for, for things like this, for this negotiation, if it gets out of hand, then, I mean, hey, maybe they just go with Dalton. Look, the secret to winning Super Bowls right now is drafting quarterbacks well. Uh, are you listening, Chicago Bears, Ryan Chase? <laughs> you have to draft the right quarterback, and you want to win while they're still in the rookie deal. Brian Gutekunst. Yeah. Uh, where have we seen that? 
We've seen that with the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. We've seen that with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And if it wasn't for messing up in the playoffs, you want to even look at the regular season. We've seen it with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. The secret is having a great young quarterback who's on the rookie deal and you can spend the money elsewhere. As soon as these teams start having to blow all their money on the quarterback, including with Russell Wilson, all of a sudden everything goes away. There's no more legion of boom. There's no more dynasty. It's just gone. And, you know, you can't just rely on, oh, we're going to just give this guy tons of money now and we're going to be set. And it's just not going to work like that. There's a lot of conflicting reports about what's true and what's not when it comes to the Dak Prescott negotiations here, because some places have said that he was offered 35 and turned it down and he wants over 45 a year. And I don't even know if any of that's true. Some some of what's out there has to not be true, I think. But it is getting a bit ridiculous. And I don't think he's that great on his own. He's one of those guys like you know, he's great with a good O-line and maybe you put Jared Goff back there and he wins you a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I don't know that Dak Prescott is the secret. I I don't think that he's bad in that offense or anything, but I'm just thinking like if you stick Dak Prescott on a team that's not very good and needs a quarterback, is he suddenly going to turn that team around? I don't think so. I don't think he's that type. I don't think he's a Russell Wilson or anyone like that. I think he's just a quarterback who's in a good system and has a good situation. So I don't think he's going to get the big money. Or I shouldn't say that because Jerry will do anything. Sure. But uh, well, yeah. I don't think he should get that kind of money. And I think if he does, it's really going to hamstring the uh, Dallas Cowboys, even with the most revenue in the league and yeah. even with all of Jerry's oil money there. Yeah. Uh, it's just not a good situation. If they can get around having to pay him a ton of money, they could be really good this year. They have a really weak division. The, everything's falling their way. And then on top of that, if they start doing well in a weak division and it's coming up to the deadline, you can see Deep Pockets Jerry making some more acquisitions, spending some more money and really making some some deals there. And, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, if they get rolling, could be tough to stop. I'm I'm not sold on McCarthy. You say he's an upgrade to Garrett, and that's probably true. But that's like saying, oh, I really didn't like that Jeffrey Dahmer guy, but at least he wasn't Hitler. Like... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> as much as I respect Mike, not the most hard-hitting analysis there that we've ever seen. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, McCarthy took the year off, and I think that was great for him. He did some things that to try to tune up his ideology as to how to run an NFL program. And again, yeah, I mean... Uh, I think Bozo the Clown is probably uh, a better choice than Jason Garrett, but I do believe in my heart of hearts. I mean, McCarthy has some failings. There's no question about it. But let me tell you, folks, when he first came into Green Bay, um, he did some really innovative things, and I think that he probably got pushed around a little bit uh, by Brett Favre when he first came on board in uh, his first year in Green Bay. would have been 2006, I believe. 2006, 2000, 2006 would have been his first year. He was 8-8. Eight and eight. Then in 2007, they went to the NFC Championship game. But again, yes, I mean, it's not a, it's not a big stretch. But uh, Mike McCarthy is an upgrade in regard to the coaching staff. And the staff that he's brought in, remember, he's brought in um, former 49ers coach uh, Nolan. I can't remember his first name. He's come in as oh. the uh, defensive coordinator. His offensive coordinator uh, is still Kellen Moore, and uh, obviously they were very prolific uh, offensively, numbers-wise, last year with the Dallas Cowboys. I keep, I keep Moore, yeah. And, yeah, and he did keep Moore, and, and uh, you know, he bring, brought uh, 49ers, former 49ers coach for a short time, Jim Tomsula, 
over oh. to <laughs> the human meatball. The human meatball, <laughs> but the human meatball got Eldon Smith into Dallas. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So you know, for the Dallas Cowboys, I think they've had a very good off season. As pain as painful as that is for me to say, but um, anything is an upgrade. You and I would be an upgrade over Jason Garrett coaching the Dallas Cowboys. I think. Yeah, well, I mean, they could have just saved a lot of money and just had a trained seal to sit there and bark and clap well, like like he always they did. They didn't have to pay us much, and we would have done it. Yeah. Um, real quick, before we get to a couple of uh, instances of Freeform Friday here, I just wanted to get Chris's input on this, and I found this funny. Um, Charles Barkley. It has come out in a report this week in the Wall Street Journal that Charles Barkley refused to share team control in a 2017 bid to run the Orlando Magic's front office. Supposedly, according to the story, the Orlando Magic's in 2017 approached Charles Barkley about becoming a high executive in their basketball operations office. Barkley was intrigued to the point that he sat down and had a couple of of, uh, conversations with Charles DeVos, I think that's his name, or Rich DeVos is the owner of the Orlando Magic, and Chucky... Uh, again, had a couple of conversations with Mr. DeVos, but he refused to share team control. Barkley wanted to come in and have total control. He wanted to be the Ron Wolf of the Orlando Magic, and ultimately that was denied because the Magic brought in former Toronto Raptors executive Jeff Weltman to be their vice president of basketball operations, who in turn then hired former Milwaukee Bucks general manager to be the general manager of the Orlando Magic, and I'm talking about John Hammond, the guy that drafted Giannis Antetokounmpo. But Barkley was supposedly all set to become the front office executive in Orlando to run the Magic's uh, basketball operations, but when Mr. DeVos said no to total control, Barkley stayed at TNT. What do you think? Charles Barkley's a knucklehead, (laughs) is what I think, to quote Frank Caliendo, and... I get really tired of these guys. I saw Charles Barkley on Shark Tank. Yeah. And I get really tired of these guys. Okay, you were good at one thing. Like, I'm good at more things than Charles Barkley is. But he was just really good at one thing, and it happened to be something that pays a lot of money. And then these guys go and put on a suit and call themselves businessmen. And I'm like, okay... You can do all these businesses and they can all fail and you'll still call yourself a businessman and think you're hot shit. And you could play a sport and that's it. You don't know shit about, you know, running an office. What are these? Paperclips or staples? Like it's it's mixed up all the time. Like I know it is. And and obviously he's going to ask for the moon. And because like a lot of people we've mentioned, uh, he's not used to hearing no in his life. So that's also a problem with athletes. That's a whole other episode. But Anyway, he's not used to hearing no, and so the thought that he would have to answer to someone is just crazy to him, and he couldn't handle that. And so it was right for him to turn that down, and it was also right to not give it to him. So good for the magic there, but I just get so tired of this. It's so ridiculous. Like, can you, Charles, like, I mean, that's a, that's a sitcom, Charles Barkley running an office. Yeah, it is. Like, come on, guys. I mean, get serious here. This is the This is the type of crap that makes people think, like, if you would have given it to him, so I've got all the respect for this. Uh, magic owner for making the right decision because it would have been appealing to have a big name, big superstar, sure. for sure. Uh, you know, come in there and, and it could be a lot of fun for a lot of people. 
But, you know, good for him for saying no, because a lot of owners, I don't think, would have had the discipline to do that. They would have said yes. It would have turned into a circus. It would have been a joke. It would have been just another strike against them when it comes to the fact that, you know what, people kind of suspect that you just got lucky in your life as an owner, and and that's it. And so, yeah, Charles Barkley uh, running an office. I, I don't, I shouldn't have to say anything else. Charles Barkley should stay to to do what he does well. And right now, what he does well is television. That's what he should do. He is. Think... He has found a good spot on inside he's, the exactly. NBA. He's got a sweet spot on the end inside the NBA. You're absolutely right. He's been doing it now for damn near 20 years. Uh, I think that's his wheelhouse. That's his avenue. Stay there. I just think that that's what he should do. Real quick before we. Oh yeah, here's one thing I wanted to. Here's one thing from the NFL. Real quick. From the who gives a shit department. The Jets have signed former Ravens and Broncos quarterback Joe Flacco to a one-year deal. I don't think Sam Darnold is shaking in his boots. Let's just say that. No, but you know what? In this fairness, is a, it's a good thing. It's, it's a good the thing. Right. He's he's. I'm sorry, but he's there as a mentor. He's there to teach Sam Darnold the ins and outs of being an NFL quarterback at the highest level. I get why, but Flacco has been so nondescript the last couple of years. His last year in Baltimore and his one year in Denver. That God forbid if if Sam Darnold get hurts gets hurt, the Jets are in trouble. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and yeah, no, I mean they just brought him as a mentor, and for 1.5 million for a year, most yeah. like backups you've never heard of make three or four. Right. And Joe Flacco is a premium backup if nothing else, and making 1.5, great signing by the Jets. I did want to say so before what they're calling the match two opened uh, this weekend, which is the whole Tiger and Phil and Peyton and Brady thing. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but speaking of inside the NBA, Ernie Johnson had a big uh, emotional um, segment where he talked about why he's not calling the coronavirus, or he's not calling the event because of the coronavirus, because his son has muscular dystrophy, and which and that causes severe respiratory issues, and he was uh, concerned about covering it, and he didn't want to bring COVID back home. So uh, I guess that was uh, quite interesting, so I'll have to check that out. But anyway, uh, that's just what uh, you jogged my memory when you said inside the NBA there. So anyway, but yeah, uh, let's get to some free sure, Friday. Sure, let's do it. Just, just, a, just a couple, just like maybe three or four quick yep. tweets here. And um, I'll just say here that I, I thought you would appreciate this one. I don't know why, but I just think, well, I think maybe probably any man can appreciate this one. And this is from Robbie Anderson, the receiver who was from the Jets, speaking of the Jets, but is now in Carolina. Right. He's been reunited with Matt Rule, who was mm-hmm. his coach at Temple. That's right. And so uh, Robbie Anderson at Chosen1RA says, you want somebody to leave you alone for a while? Just let him borrow some money. <laughs> you got that right. Um, you know, it's funny. There was a time that... Um, I had some money, and uh, I lent it out a couple of times to people that I had known for decades. And unfortunately, those people, when it was time to pay it back, uh, lost my name and number. So, um, yeah, you, uh, especially the family, but um, these people to me were like family. And um, unfortunately, I have not heard or seen from them since I uh, lent them some money years ago. Um, the easiest way to get people out of your life is borrow them some money. And um, unfortunately, because um, one of the guys that I lent money to um, was with me in the military, and he had seen a lot of the good, the bad, and the ugly with me. And uh, it's a shame that uh, that friendship that had been through a lot. um, Yeah, I 
next topic. But yeah, it, it's too bad that uh, that's the dividing. And, and uh, you think that you're, you trust somebody after being literally in a foxhole with this guy. And uh, you lend them some money and you never hear from them again. So, yeah. unfortunate. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on a lighter note, Jose Canseco at Jose Canseco. Golfing tomorrow at Chimera. Going to try the new golf ball called the Top Flight Bomb. The same ball they're going to use in the long drive competitions. Let's see if I can hit one at least 370 or 380. I think he'll be able to hit it that far. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I You know, it's funny, but... <clears throat> he might have to juice to do it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Literally. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, a baseball swing is very similar in some, in mm. some, I mean, in regard to the reto- r- rotation of your hips, a baseball swing is quite similar to a golf swing. And if you're as big and as strong as Jose Canseco still is juiced up to be, I think he'll be able to hit that ball a country mile. I mean, think about Rory McElroy is smaller than both of us, and he still hits it on average, 330, 335 yards. I can't imagine what a juiced-up Jose Canseco is going to hit a juiced-up ball. That's going to go a ways. It's probably going to have a stewardess on it. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So uh, this one is, let's see, a for the win and for the win. Chad Johnson left an enormous tip at a newly reopened restaurant. So I was like when I see people giving big tips who have the money. And I mean... You know, 15% or whatever applies to the average person. But if you've got tons of money, you know, like, why would you not just uh, tip a ton? I think his bill was about 30-some bucks, and he left... A yeah, thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. thousand. Yeah, $37.40, and he left her a grand, and, and that. And I think that's a nice thing to do. And I'm, I think that would be some something that's so rewarding. Like, if I was really rich... I think that would just be the most rewarding thing, just going and just blowing people's minds so effortlessly. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I got to be honest that there was a time that I thought Chad Johnson or Chad Ocho Cinco or whatever the hell name he was going by, the flavor of the week, I didn't really like him. I thought he was a selfish, egotistical prick. But since he's gotten out of football, um, and then I thought when he came up and played in the CFL with Montreal, that was a waste of both the teams and his time. That was just, uh, that was ridiculous. But when he retired from the NFL, he's turned out to be quite a good guy. Uh, I've got him, I got to give him credit. Um, I learned a lot from him. He was at Lambeau last year and did a whole week of series of different things in regard to uh, uh our only, our one and only receiver in Green Bay, Adams. He did a whole bunch with him, and uh, I have found him to be. I, I was pretty hard on him in regard to what I thought the way and the way his career ended in the National Football League. But uh, I think that was a classy thing to do, and that's something that that person is going to remember for the rest of his or her life. That he got, he or she got a thousand dollar tip from a former NFL guy. And I echo your comments. I think that that was a really good thing to do, and I'm really, really happy. And God forbid, I'm going to say proud of Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson to do this. That was really good. That made somebody's day, week, and month right there. Yeah, I, I still have a C Johnson jersey, number eighty five for the Bengals, a nice orange jersey upstairs. And I always liked him a lot before he was Ocho Cinco. I liked the Bengals, and I liked him, and I liked the the 
three-man receiver combo of him and Hushman Zada and Henry was just fantastic. And I, I thought he was just great. And then the Ocho Cinco thing, he started, I think, trying to, you know, become a big megastar or something and kind of be the T.O. personality or something. And it was kind of weird. But no, I think he is really actually a good guy. And I think he really enjoys that type of stuff just as I would. And uh, I think that's pretty neat here. This is kind of weird. So... <laughs> Pro Football Talk at Pro Football Talk from Kaplan Sports Biz. The bankrupt NXFL may have a potential buyer. Have you heard who might buy the XFL? No. Really? Vince McMahon. Okay. So I'm not a bankruptcy expert here. Right. But basically when you declare bankruptcy and you goes there and then it's for sale, he could potentially... Buy it for less than what... The asking price yes, and then or what the money is owed. Yeah. Which, because I can't... First of all, I can't see anyone else buying it. Uh... But you know what? I think this makes this must have been his plan all along. I'm billionaires. If there's one thing they know, I think they understand bankruptcy and oh, how for it sure works. They do. And yep. the difference between chapter seven and chapter eleven and chapter thirteen. I think they that's something they would really know. And so uh, this clearly has to be it because there's no way. And I thought this off the off the bat right when this happened with coronavirus, he was forced to cancel the XFL. Season. Oh, for sure he was. There, there was no right. there was no getting around it. But I was like, there's no way he would put all these years into it and all that money and just give up on it. There's no And just on the Vince McMahon, the ultimate control freak, there's no way in hell he would just, oh, I'm just draw. Okay, move on. And right. Didn't work. No, there's and no he way. Was, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was allocating, was it $500 million of his own money? Yeah, he put $500 million of his own money into an LLC, uh, Alpha Entertainment, that he made, a numbered company, essentially. Right, right. Uh, and so, yeah, he, yeah, just for that. So... This is not something he would be like, oh, well, like, no, <laughs> Just, no. that's not how it works. He's too calculated. Yeah. He's too calculated and too yeah. business savvy to, there There was always going to be, I felt, a, a, a second drop of another shoe. Yeah. All I'll say is that if he gets his XFL back at a reduced price, he probably should pay Oliver Luck the $23.8 million <laughs> that Oliver's looking for. So yeah. um, I, 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 I hope he does. You know why? Because I want those football players to get a yes, chance at continuing to play and, and continuing to chase the dream. That's what I hope. Me too. And I, I don't like Vince McMahon, but I did like the XFL this year. Everybody did. The, the, the reaction was overwhelmingly positive. I, nothing on the internet Correct. gets that kind of positive reaction. Correct. So that was really great. It was, so it was, I'd love a, to see it, come it was a very well-run league this time around. The rule changes were something that Jane Goodell's husband needs to take a very serious look at. Um, you had, as I've said before on this program, he had proven uh, broadcasters this time that, that had called uh, football games before. So that was, that was much appreciated from my end. He had good markets he had good attendance. I hope, for the sake of those three and four hundred football players, that I want them to have the ability to continue the dream. I hope McMahon reacquires the XFL. Yeah, I have to say I do too. Okay, last one here. This is good news uh, for you and for me, uh, hopefully. So uh, Magic M underscore MMA at that same Twitter title. Uh, it says that uh, Conor McGregor has been offered a fight on the 4th of July. Oh, good. Right? And so that he's it allegedly, according to this tweet, he's been offered Kamara Usman, who I can't stand, and I hope Conor destroys him. 
And uh, so this guy says, this is what I'm hearing. Fight has been offered, I'm told. I read something from Dana White this morning that said they're still going ahead with this fight island. He said it, they'll probably hold a, a number of events there, wherever this mystery island is. They'll hold it. Uh, it's not in U.S. waters, though. Oh, I know that. That's, so that's good. A, that's for sure. So it'll be held somewhere else. And uh, he, Dana's saying he's going to go there and literally stay there for a yeah. month. Like he's going to probably spend the whole month of July there, he said. And they're going to go ahead with this. Again, I'm really sad they're not just going to keep this if they're going to put all the infrastructure in place. Right. I think that'd be really neat. I really hope. And maybe it's just held indoors somewhere. I don't know. But I would, I just want, just to hold it on the beach. I want to see the water in the yeah. background. Yeah. Yeah. Hold it at sunset or something. Nice. Like, yeah. just, oh, come on. Like, just hold it on the beach. Or just make it awesome. Have palm trees in the background. Like, make it awesome. Make it an unbelievable visual we'll never forget. And I, I hope they will. I've, I don't know. I You've heard gone to all I'm this not. trouble to actually physically go out and acquire an island. Yeah. I think you've got to make it super spectacular. I, I do too. And, I, and I, it seems to me that yeah. Mr. White is a showman, a businessman first, but a showman right yeah. up there. Obviously, as I've said many times again, he has worked his bag off to get 249 off. He finally accomplished that, came off beautifully, a record number of pay-per-views, home pay-per-views. Um, I remember you giving me and schooling me about the big difference would be there would be no bars in regard to pay-per-views. And I got, I got that obviously. And I thank you for that. But Dana White, I have so much respect for him. He has worked tirelessly to get his product out there when other people are either gun shy or stupid. And, uh, you go to all this trouble to promote this fight Island. I hope it's something spectacular. I hope it's something at sunset where we have these unforgettable views and we watch Conor McGregor kick the fuck out of somebody, you know, as the sun is going down beyond the mountains. I think that would be beautiful. It'd be amazing. But yeah, Conor McGregor, again, like hopefully they, you'd think they would want some attendance if he's going to fight somewhere. Yeah. I mean, to say no to $20 million gates, both White and Conor said that'd be tough for both right. of them to say no to that. So... I don't know what their plan is. And just because he's been offered the fight doesn't mean he'll take it. But he's been saying he's in shape and he wants to fight. Right. So, uh, but yeah, Conor McGregor, easily the biggest star in the history of MMA. If you look at the top uh, pay-per-views of all time, I mean, in UFC, they're all Conor McGregor. Uh, and, you know, so, uh, yeah, uh, there's nothing better for the sport than Conor Let McGregor Let me ask fighting. you, while we're on UFC, I got some news this week about your favorite guy, John Bone Jones oh, again. Good. What? And uh, something about uh, he wants to fight. Oh, who the hell was it? Francis Ngannou, isn't it? Thank you. Your buddy. My buddy, the guy that looks like a brick shithouse. Did, buddy. You, did you see when uh, Ngannou met Shaq a while back? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> he literally just like, walked up. He walked up to Shaq. Obviously, Shaq's taller than him and bigger, but he, but I mean, Francis is not small himself. No. So he walked up and they said hi or whatever. And then Ngannou literally put his, like, interlocked his hands. Uh, like around Shaq's leg and kind of in his crotch yeah. and he lifted Shaq up off the ground and started walking around with Shaq really? and then he put him down they're like okay bye and you see Shaq walk away like no one's ever picked me up before like that was <laughs> that was really weird <laughs> it was pretty funny so yeah well supposedly from what I understand and I could I just got this on the fly but Jones wants to move up to heavyweight yeah to fight Naganu. yeah and now there's some kind of technicality or something that may not, may not, uh, this may not come off. 
I'm not sure. Obviously, I'm not I sure don't, what the technicality yeah, is. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know what all the parameters are, but I did know, and I thought maybe you would know that Jones was in the news again this week, and yeah. and uh, he's at middle. He wants to go or light heavy. And he's he at wants, light heavy, and, and he, he wants, wants to, to go up to heavy to fight this guy. But something's happened, and that got John Jones pissed off again. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I think Ngannou is willing to fight him, as, and I've I've seen tweets from him that say that. And that's what I would like to see. I, I want to see if Jones fights someone right. who can just knock him the fuck out. Thank you. And in Ngannou, uh, just the other day, you know, he fought again. He beat this Rosenstrike, who had looked pretty good lately, and beats him in 22 seconds. And, you know, other than Stipe Miocic just having a brilliant game that plan. That was a game plan. Game. Yes. And, just com- and of course, that's the one you watch at my house here. Yeah. But, like, other than... But the, he outthought him. Yeah. But other than the outthinking, Ngannou just goes in there and just knocks everyone out in the first minute and that's right. it like it's like it's like watching tyson in the old days like it, he just walks up and knocks you out and that's it and their fight's over oh here's another news and knowns tyson's coming back you think so hey? i do that whole video of him of him at 53 and yeah. the unparalleled hip movement that he's got oh my god he's still got those oily hips he and, sure does and the power and, and then he's of course, broke well and of course evander holyfield's training at the same time so everyone's excited about that but uh, actually, Mike Tyson just on the AEW pay per view, he was there and he. I know, I saw it. Oh, did you watch it? I, I saw it. Yeah. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, I know. yeah, so he awarded the TNT title, and uh, Mike Tyson is appearing this Wednesday night on AEW Dynamite. Oh, good. I'll watch that. So Mike Tyson will be there again. Yep. Well, we've got a run on this uh, 511th episode of Unscripted. I thank the boss for uh, cutting me a little slack today. The voice is just not right, but hopefully uh, we'll figure out what's going on here. But couple of great episodes this week. I really enjoyed going through our list of the uniforms. That was a lot of fun. A lot, of, a lot more work than I thought it would be, but a lot of fun. Uh, Chris went outside the box much more than I did, but these, are the, these were the uniforms that I grew up with. These were the uniforms that I developed my love of sports for and the teams that, that I obviously uh, maybe didn't like them, but I certainly respected them and watched them. And, and so that's why they made my list. But I truly enjoyed that and uh, look forward to the next time we decide to do something like this because it's a lot of work, but it sure is a lot of fun. And I enjoyed doing and taking a look at our top 25 sports jerseys of all time. Having said that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.